If you didn't get a chance to turn there already, let's turn to Ruth chapter 3 together. Let's look at this story in episode 3 of uh, the story of Ruth. Uh, another three-scene episode, if you will. Uh, one that I think will be uh, fruitful in our lives as we consider the Lord's will for, for our lives. Uh, I'm appreciative of Pastor Graham and his choosing of songs in singing lines like, I rest on His unchanging grace. Uh, new songs like the one that we just sang that so uh, well encapsulate the message of Ruth. Uh, one in which we spoke about last week, this invitation to come, to, to come and to, to take and to eat and to, to come and glean and not just uh, to have uh, the leftovers uh, that, that Boaz had, but to eat a full supply, a full meal to be satisfied and to take home leftovers. We have so much in the Lord. Uh, we who are pining and hungry and poor ought to come to the Lord. Thank you, Graham, for leading us well. Uh, I don't know about you, but one of the prayers that Joy and I pray often. Uh, we pray together. We pray for our kids. And in fact, uh, every morning we ask if this prayer request has been fulfilled. And that is a prayer for sleep. Uh, if you have had little ones or have little ones, there has probably been a season of like the deepest, most bent knees and head out loud prayers for sleep. Uh, yes, your sleep, but your child's sleep. Because you know if your child sleeps, you don't, you, you can sleep. You'll be able to sleep, but you get down on your knees, you cry out to God, Lord, please let them sleep. Let, Lord, I'll do anything for you, as if it were a bargain. Uh, it's not, but we pray for for sleep for our children. We pray for sleep for us in seasons when we haven't slept well. Maybe it is because of some sort of worry or fear or anxiety that has caused us not to sleep. And so we pray, aiming to trust the Lord in that. Uh, and that's a good thing to pray. Um, sleep is good. The Lord in creation made day and night. He made a pattern of sleep. He even made a pattern of rest in the Sabbath. And so, yes, we need to remember verses like Psalm 127, verse 2, a, a, a Scripture that we pray. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. Why? For He gives to His beloved sleep. We need to remember the Lord is the one that gives us sleep and, and rest, physical rest. But there is an even more important rest that we need. An even more important rest that really all people in the world are after, they just may not realize it. Uh, Augustine makes note of this and what some have called the, uh, one of the most famous uh, important sentences ever written. Augustine was living in the 300s. He was uh, the bishop of Hippo, one who, though he had a Christian mother, ran to the world searching for 
that which would make him happy. Maybe a description kind of like Solomon at a time in his life. Augustine went out into the world looking for that which would make him happy in his job, as we as a church have talked about Christians in the workplace and what that looks like. He, he sought that. He sought that in a relationship with another woman whom he lived with for many years. And then he heard the gospel and he put his faith in Christ. And he realized this to be true. And, and this is the sentence. You may have heard it before. Speaking of the Lord, he says, Thou movest us to delight in praising thee. For thou hast formed us for thyself. And listen, our hearts are restless till they find their rest in thee. Our hearts are restless until we find our rest in thee. Augustine came to realize this was true of his own life, but that this was the truth of the Bible. Uh, He wrote it down. He made it known. This is one of the truths in the book of Ruth, and I think the main truth in chapter 3. For in chapter 3, if you'll look at it with me, just the beginning and the end together, Naomi says in chapter 3, verse 1, then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, my daughter, should I not seek rest for you that it may be well with you? And then you flip to the end of chapter 3 real quick. Look at the very last sentence where Naomi says back to Ruth, she replied, wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. Rest is on the author's mind as he writes this third episode in this Uh, short story of Ruth's life during the the time of Judges. Uh, And and it's a a theme that we need to be able to pull out from this. Uh, In fact, as I was studying, I uh, was referencing this idea of rest in God's Word and just uh, reading many of the different scriptures about it, which you can find many. And I want you to consider the refrain, the chorus uh, from Psalm 62 in, in Israel's hymn book, uh, they would sing this song, this hymn of trust. And the refrain was this in Psalm 62, 1 and 2. For God alone my soul waits in silence. From Him comes my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. And it's repeated in verse 3, or I'm sorry, verse 5. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is my God. Trust in Him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. He's our refuge. He's our rock. He's our rest. He says, come to Him. 
this is why Jesus would use very similar words as I mentioned last week in Matthew chapter 11, 28 and 29. Come to Me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take My yoke upon you and learn from Me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Naomi understood. She had probably spent a decade or more of her life not seeking her rest in the Lord as she and her husband Elimelech went to Moab seeking rest from the famine, uh, not in Bethlehem, in the Lord's place and in the Lord's ways, but in, in another place and in their ways, not finding that rest. And, and ended up after her husband died and her son's die, returning with one of her daughters-in-law back to Bethlehem, but saying, as we saw uh, so clearly in Ruth chapter 1 and verse 21, uh, where she says, I went away full, that is, full with a full household, and the Lord has brought me back empty. She's turned and, and really returned. Ruth has turned to the Lord and they're seeking their rest now in the Lord. And Naomi is, is aiming to, to do that as Ruth has been provided for as she went out in chapter 2 to seek favor from the Lord by gleaning according to the Lord's ways at the edges of the field and gleaning to try to find grain for her and Naomi for the day. Uh, only to find out at the end of the day she had not only enough grain for that day, but she had grain for the coming months and was able to take leftovers from an amazing, satisfying meal with the landowner, Boaz, who had provided abundantly and generously for her, uh, of which Ruth went home to Naomi to tell of her day's work gleaning in the fields uh, in that she had been gleaning in Boaz's field. And Naomi commented so well in that moment, Ah, Boaz. He's a redeemer of ours. And you can almost hear in the ending of chapter 2 uh, the author giving us a hint of what is about to happen. Uh, most likely that uh, Boaz is going to redeem Ruth. And so... In episode 3, in chapter 3 of Ruth, Naomi is setting out to see if that is actually, in fact, the Lord's will. Is the Lord going to provide for her, for Naomi and Ruth, um, in giving not only food, but uh, a, a future, a life? a family, a home, a name that would continue uh, in the person and, and work of Boaz. And so the theme this morning, obviously being rest, the, the main truth I want us to remember when we go away this morning is that we would find true rest. The rest that we need and that we'll only find it when we seek it in the Redeemer and in His ways. That true rest that Augustine spoke of that's only found in the Lord, we need to remember, is found in Jesus Christ. And it's found in accordance 
with his word. And we see that played out several times this week, and I imagine you'll find it played out in your life as well. So if you're taking notes, note first in 3, 1 through 5, this section, Seeking Rest in a Redeemer. Seeking Rest in a Redeemer. Chapter 2 began with Naomi sending Ruth out to seek favor from the Lord. Ruth went out and found the Lord's favor, the Lord's grace in Boaz's field. Uh, Ruth chapter 3 starts with uh, Naomi. Uh, I'm sorry, in chapter 2, Ruth was seeking favor for her and Naomi, and she was suggesting herself going out. Chapter 3 begins with Naomi suggesting that Ruth should go out and seek rest. Rest in this Redeemer, this potential Redeemer. And so Naomi, in in chapter 3, verse 1, says to Ruth, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? This was the prayer, in fact, that Naomi originally prayed all the way back in chapter 1, that she, in in chapter 1, verse 9, The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Naomi had prayed that Ruth and Orpah would find rest uh, in the house of of their husband and one who would marry them and and, and care for them and uh, give them a future, maybe even give them a family. And now Naomi seems to think that the Lord is answering that prayer potentially in and through the person of Boaz. My daughter, should I not seek rest for you? I prayed it earlier. Should I not seek rest for you that it may be well with you? That phrase, that it may be well with you, likely comes from Deuteronomy 6.3 where just before the, the famous Shema challenging Um, the Israelites to worship the Lord their God and to teach these things to their children. Moses writes, Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you and that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. This was a promise aimed to fulfill the Abrahamic covenant of land and a family and blessing. And Moses was challenging God's people, listen to the Lord, worship the Lord, obey His Word that it might go well with you and you might multiply. That that same charge that was given to Adam and Eve in the very beginning, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And Naomi is desiring to see Ruth be able to multiply, to be able to have a husband, to be able to have children, um, to be able to um, pass on that name in this life. And so she's seeking that. And she says in verse 2, is not Boaz our relative? Something that we were made known as readers of the story back in chapter 2. And something that Naomi knew, 
But Ruth didn't know the day that Boaz provided for her. And so Naomi brings up the fact that Boaz is our relative with whose young women you were that day previously. See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. And so Naomi has a plan. And she sets forth this plan in verse 3. Wash, therefore, and anoint yourself, and put on your cloak, and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. Now, I know all of a sudden there's a little tension there, is there not? If you don't feel it, you haven't put yourself in the midst of it. What kind of advice is that from a mother-in-law to a young woman? The exact opposite of the vice advice I would give my daughter or you would give your teenage daughters at that moment to go in the dark of night after this man's full of a great meal, not drunk, but has drank and is merry and has fallen asleep. We said as a student pastors, nothing good happens after nine o'clock or so. And so our kids at camp just need to go to bed. And, and yet, this is Naomi's plan. Go to this man at, at dark. And not only that, before you go, you need to clean yourself up a little bit, daughter. You need to pre- get presentable in this. You're like, what in the world is happening? And you can read it with, with that sense. And some, in fact, have. And, and maybe, maybe there's something to that, that Naomi's advice isn't as wise as we would wish that it would be. That, that's one way of, of understanding it, and I think that there's plenty for us to, to consider there. Uh, on the other side of things, uh, Naomi seems to be um, telling Ruth uh, that, that Boaz is a relative, that there is possible redemption in and through this man, um, that Maybe the time of mourning is over. That, that there was a season in Naomi and Ruth's life, having both lost their husband, Naomi having lost her husband and her sons, that we returned back to Bethlehem and we were bitter, is what Naomi said. Uh, we were bitter. Don't call me Naomi, which is pleasant. Call me, uh, uh, call me Mara, which is bitter. Uh, and, and that we're mourning. We're just gleaning in the fields. And in which when Naomi hears that the field in which Ruth is gleaning and comes back with 30 pounds of grain and a to- to-go box from their dinner the night before and hears that it was Boaz's field and remembers that Boaz is a relative, she says, maybe this is the Lord's provision for us. Maybe Boaz is actually giving us a hint here and saying that there is provision in his house available in this place. And it seems as if Naomi might be saying to Ruth, stop mourning. No more sackcloth 
No more covering. No more ashes. Wash and anoint yourself. Clean yourself. There's a new day ahead. The Lord might have redemption for us through this this man, Boaz. And so she tells her, wash, anoint, go. Go to him where he is at. Um, and to present yourself to him. And, and she says that she's willing to do that. Uh, but, but look at the last thing that Naomi tells her to do. As, as if she's, she's going to go so far to see if this is the Lord's provision for her, but not force his hand. Saying, go and, and lie where he lies, then go and uncover his feet and lie down. And listen, he will tell you what to do. And Naomi was essentially saying, let's go and see if this is the Lord's provision for you and for us in the future. You go and present yourself uh, to Him uh, as a potential redeemer for our family, but you let Him tell you what to do. He may reject you. He may accept you in that moment, but leave it in His hands. It's a... I think uh, uh, if this is the way that, that we're to read this story, I think it's a helpful challenge to us uh, to consider our situation, to have looked at our lives, to, to have seen the Lord's provision, um, whether in opening doors or closing doors at different times. Not to be the ones to push open the door or to shove the door closed, but to attempt to walk through some of those doors that the Lord may have opened. And then to lay it in the Lord's hands and to say, Lord, I'm going to walk through this situation. It seems as if you may be providing for me and for my family in, a, in this job or, or may be providing for me in a spouse in this relationship or maybe providing for you in some other type of situation. But Lord, I'm unsure but I'm going to walk through in this direction with my hands open, and Lord, I want you to open or shut the door. I'm going to leave this in your hands. It seems as if you have been guiding and directing in this way. Is this the way, Lord? I'm seeking rest in you. I don't want to force the situation. I don't want to necessarily make myself look better than I ought. Um... I don't want to shove the door open or pour, pull the door closed in any of these situations, but Lord, I want you to guide in this situation. I think that's a, a helpful takeaway from this passage. Yes, you could read it on the other side of things, looking at Naomi as actually trying to do those things, encouraging Ruth to make herself look good. Uh, putting Ruth before Boaz. Um, But she also seems to be laying it in the Lord's hands. Remembering um, the rules of redemption from the Old Testament through a relative, as we'll talk about in a minute, and, and aiming to live in accordance with God's Word and God's ways and trusting His provision in those ways. I think we could do that well as we're seeking rest, as we're seeking rest, ultimate rest through our Redeemer. We need to remember that 
our eternal rest only comes from Christ. Uh, that yes, we repent and we believe, but our salvation is a gift from the Lord. From Him who came to this earth and lived the life that we couldn't live and died the death that we deserve. He took our place. And yet He rose from the dead. Um, having taken the penalty of death and yet overcoming it and ra being raised to new life, we find our rest in Christ ultimately. We repent and believe as a fruit of uh, the Lord giving us new hearts and causing us to be born again. Uh, and if we're seeking another type of earthly rest, not eternal rest, but earthly rest, we're to be seeking it in Christ and in His ways. Not our ways and not in ourselves or in someone else alone. For that person, whether a new boss or a new spouse, could be taken from us in an instant. And so we don't look for any earthly rest in another person alone, in another job alone, in another home alone or anything like that we seek our rest in Christ and in accordance with his ways but we walk by faith we walk in obedience to those ways and we let the Lord continue to open doors or close doors as we walk by faith this is what Naomi and Ruth were doing seeking rest in a redeemer and we get to uh, the the second Seen, if you will, in episode 3, in verse 6, noted that a promising rest in a Redeemer. Having sought rest in a Redeemer, now there's, this scene could be characterized as promising rest in a Redeemer. After Ruth said in verse 5, all that you say I will do, and a phrase that will come back up again, uh, Ruth was trusting Naomi's counsel according to God's Word and, and wisdom in this moment. She says, I'll do everything that you say. So she went, in verse 6, down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. And then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight, the man was startled and turned over. And behold, a woman lay at his feet. And he said, who are you? And this is the, this is the moment of tension. This is the moment of, of climax, if you will. Kind of like that moment in chapter 2 where Ruth was gleaning in the fields. and Boaz shows up, has that conversation with the foreman, who, who's that over there? And then starts walking over uh, to Ruth to speak to her. It's that tension where uh, uh, Boaz was unaware of Ruth up to this point, had gone to bed happy that night, uh, laying on the fruit of his fields, um, sleeping that night, was unaware of Ruth, uh, but Ruth had come in the night. And as he gets startled in the middle of the night and rolls over, feels something. and feels his feet uncovered, tries to get his covers situated. 
and feels her at the end of the heap of grain. He says, who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. And listen to what she says. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. Does that sound familiar? Uh, Probably not to any language you use in your life, but this is what Boaz said of Ruth in the chapter before. Look back in chapter 2 in verse 12. Chapter 2, verse 12, the Lord, uh, Boaz is speaking to Ruth and says, The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel. Listen, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Boaz was describing Ruth as one who had come to take refuge under the wings of the Lord for her provision and for her life. And now Ruth is using that same language to ask Boaz to provide redemption under his wings for her. Uh, Ruth is coming, having already come to take refuge under the wings of the Lord, making the Lord her God, making the Lord's people her people. She had become, if you will, a believer and had begun to follow the Lord and worship the Lord in accordance with His ways. Now she's aiming to follow the Lord's ways in taking refuge under the wings of Boaz, who's a relative and now we're informed is a redeemer. And so she asks Boaz, having told him that she was Ruth, his servant, Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. This is, uh, as the book of Ruth has up to this point, and I've noted it here and there, but maybe a little bit more in detail. This is uh, describing the idea of what's called Leverite marriage. And it was something that was described in Deuteronomy. And in Deuteronomy, um, this I, the, the word Lever means brother-in-law, and the law was that if a man and woman were married and the man died, that it would be um, the brother-in-law, that is the brother of the man who died, it would be his, his responsibility then to marry um, that woman, if possible, uh, to be able to take care of her, to be able to have children with her. Um, to be able to continue the name of their family on into the future. Now, I know to, to us that sounds really weird. And you're thinking about your brother-in-law or sister-in-law and thinking, uh, no, that, that's just not happening. But, but we need to put ourselves back in the Old Testament scene and, and remember that the Lord's ways were not just commands to make people do what He wanted. They were ways of provision, ways of care, ways of protection and security for God's people to continue to be a people long into the future. And so this was one of the, the, the laws that Naomi has in the back of her mind that I think Boaz is quite aware of uh, in the going on of this story and one that Ruth has come to become aware of 
as she has come to live in the house of Naomi and come to live among the people of, of Israel. Um, she's coming to Boaz and saying, spread your wings over your servant for you are a redeemer. Uh, this idea of Leverite marriage, one in which Jesus has to deal with uh, when uh, during his ministry, when some of the Sadducees come to him telling that kind of a scenario of which a man dies and the wife marries the brother-in-law, then the brother-in-law dies, then the wife marries another brother-in-law, and that brother-in-law dies, and then marries another brother and it happens seven times. And the Sadducees, who don't believe in a resurrection uh, and eternal life, are trying to trick Jesus in saying, whose husband will she be in the next life, in your kingdom? Jesus, thinking, oh, we got him. To which Jesus replies, you don't understand the things of God or marriage uh, in that moment. But, but this idea was, was familiar even to Jesus in that day, day and age. Uh, it's, it's this type of language that's used even of the Lord being a redeemer of his people uh, and calling himself a husband for his bride. Uh, which is why, again, when we get to the New Testament, we see that Christ is the bride of the church. Christ is the Redeemer of the church. And this language is not only car carried out in the Old Testament, but then into the New Testament, albeit through a different means, through Christ who died and rose from the dead and shed His blood. This is Ruth's request. Again, the tension is raised. What will he say? Get out of here. Get away from me. I'm not going to redeem you. I, look at all that I have. I'm not going to give it to another. But, but that's not what Boaz says. Look what he says in verse 10. He said, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. Again, that word blessing, uh, a word that has continued to come up time and time again in the book of Ruth. May the Lord bless, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. Something that he's called her twice now. You have made this last kindness greater than the first in that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. Boaz mentions again this word kindness. That word kindness is the Hebrew word hesed, describing the steadfast, faithful, never-ending love of God saying that if this was an act of kindness uh, and that this act of kindness is, is greater than even the first act of kindness, um, that she's shown this type of hesed before in trusting in the Lord, in making the Lord's people her people, in seeking to obey the Lord's ways, in being faithful to the Lord, in gleaning in someone's field. Now she's shown that same kindness, that same steadfast faithfulness to the Lord by not going to find a quick, easy husband in some of the young men that are roaming the fields at night uh, that might uh, you know, take, take her to be 
uh, their wife in that moment, but no, she's been respectable. She has been trusting in the Lord and His ways, um, seeking the Lord's provision for that. This is how Boaz interprets her actions. And if Boaz is interpreting her actions in this way, it seems that we too ought to interpret her actions in this way. They're not rash. Um, they're not the easiest uh, means of pro- provision. She could have gone to some other men and have found it presumably very easily and very quickly. But she doesn't. She goes about it in this way, seeking redemption in a relative, in Boaz, who is a redeemer. May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first in that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. You can sense the tension in that moment, the, the high heartbeat of Ruth as, as uh, she has uncovered his feet. She's made herself known to Boaz and is waiting his reply She's fearful in that moment, but Boaz calms her fears and says, Do not fear. Like Ruth said to Naomi, Boaz says, I will do for you all that you ask. Presumably because all that she asks is right. All that she asks is worthy and righteous. He says, for all, for all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. Do you remember that that's the word that was used to describe Boaz in chapter 2, verse 1? He was a worthy man. Now, Boaz is using that word to describe Ruth. She too is a worthy woman. The same word used to describe the excellent wife of the Proverbs 31 woman. And now it is true that I am a redeemer, yet, can you put yourself in that situation? You know, you asked someone out and like, yeah, I'd I'd love to, but I've got to ask my dad first, you know? Or yet, I, I can't, I'm busy on that day. There's a yet here. And yet, this yet gives us great such great insight into Boaz's trust of the Lord. It shows us Boaz's integrity to trust the Lord's ways. He says, uh, yes, it is true that I'm a redeemer, yet there's a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight and in the morning. If he will redeem you, good. Let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you, Then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. This is the promise of rest in a Redeemer. Boaz doesn't promise to be the Redeemer for Ruth, but promises that he would redeem if this other, who is nearer to her in that Leverite marriage system, um, that if that brother wouldn't redeem her, then he would. Boaz is showing great integrity here, great worthiness here. He's staying true to his description by the author earlier. This is why, in some sense, Boaz is a type of Christ. Uh, 
Uh, a type is, is a word used in theology to describe a person, uh, a place, a thing uh, in the Old Testament that is like Jesus. Um, a type of Christ, if you will. And Boaz gives us um, some clarity on the type of Messiah that they are to be waiting for in the future. He gives us uh, a picture of what Jesus will look like in the future. One who is worthy. One who says what is right. One who does what is right. One who waits on the Lord to uh, bring about the right circumstances rather than, again, forcing his hand, pushing open the door, or closing the door uh, in a certain situation. Again, another challenge to all of us as we walk through this life each and every day seeking, Lord, what is your will for me today? Whether I'm at home all day, whether I'm going to school today, whether I'm going to work today, whether I have an off day this weekend, what is your will for me today? Not, not saying, Lord, today your will for me is to do this, and I'm going to do this, whether you like it or don't, uh, and forcing that upon the Lord. And when it doesn't happen, being upset with the Lord. Uh, that may just be me. Maybe, maybe you've never done that before. But this is something that we can take from, from this story when we're all attempting in small decisions or larger decisions to seek the will of the Lord. Boaz is kind of like Naomi. It seemed to think that this might be the will of the Lord, uh, but he had to leave it like Naomi in the hands of another. Naomi told Ruth, go to Boaz and let him tell you what to do. He may say no, he may say yes, but leave it in his hands. Boaz is now having to do the very same thing. I'm going to step out in faith, in obedience with God's word and God's ways, and I'm going to walk this path. But in the end, I'm going to have to leave it in the hands of another to see if he'll redeem you in that situation. And so he gives Ruth a promise of redemption and rest, though at that point he was unsure whether it would be through this other brother or through himself. And that brings us to this last scene there in verse 14. As we get to this last scene, we note uh, the waiting on rest in a Redeemer. The waiting on rest in a Redeemer. In verse 14, she lay at his feet until the morning, but arose before one could recognize another. And he said, Let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. Uh, I think that's probably speaking to Ruth specifically, but maybe there uh, were others there as well who knew about her being there. Nevertheless, he had his integrity and her integrity in mind, saying, um, you are known as a worthy woman, and, and you staying here through the night was for your protection, but you need to go. Uh, you need to go 
so that your worthiness is not contradicted and questioned uh, in this morning. Uh, and I think it's also for his own integrity and his own worthiness uh, to protect that as well. And he said, though, in verse 15, bring out the garment you are wearing and hold it out. So this would be like a, a shawl or a, a covering that she had. And, and, and he asked her to hold it out, and she held it out. And he measured out six measures of barley and put it, art, uh, put it on her. Now, if you remember from Ruth chapter 2, she went home the day before with a, uh, a bushel sack full of, of barley the day before. This, she didn't need more barley. Uh, she didn't need uh, just a, a little bit extra, six measures extra on there. Why was Boaz giving her more barley when he had already sent her home with more than enough the day before. Most would read into this saying, believing that Boaz was trying to give a message not only to Ruth but to Naomi. And look, we can see this played out a little bit more as we read on in the story. In verse 16, she came to her mother-in-law and she said, how did you fare, my daughter? And then she told her all that the man had done for her, saying, These six measures of barley he gave to me, for he said to me, You must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. Do you remember the phrase back in Ruth chapter 1, 21, that uh, Ruth used to describe herself? She said that I went away full and the Lord has brought me back empty. This is what Naomi was saying in the streets of Bethlehem among the women of Bethlehem that had spread that message around to the point that Boaz and his foreman had heard about uh, Ruth and Naomi's return, that she had gone away full and come back empty. And now Boaz has already sent Ruth home once with abundantly more than she needed for the day and for the month. And now is sending her home with even more than that, telling her to tell her mother-in-law, I don't want you to be empty-handed. Saying to Naomi, you think you're empty-handed, but when you seek your rest in the Lord, in the Redeemer, you're never empty-handed. And I want to... Um, I want to be that one, that Redeemer for you and for Ruth that you are seeking redemption in. And Naomi closes this story in, in verse 18. She had the first word regarding rest, and she has the last word regarding rest. And she replied to Ruth, Wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out. For the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. It's so interesting that as they're seeking the Lord and as Boaz is seeking the, the Lord, there's times in which Ruth and Naomi need to act in accordance with the Lord's ways and walk in faith. Uh, and then they need to rest 
and wait for the Lord to do something. And then there's times when Boaz needs to act in accordance with the Lord's ways and walk in faith. And then there's times when he needs to rest and wait. Well, this is one of those times when Boaz is having to walk in accordance with the, the Lord's ways and walk in faith. And uh, Naomi and Ruth can just sit there and wait. And they can't really do much more until the Lord makes it clear to them how they're to proceed. Uh, we've experienced those moments in our family. You've probably experienced them. I remember a season of those walk in accordance with God's ways, step out in faith, and then wait. And then walk in accordance with God's ways, step out in faith, and wait in the midst of our adoption process. And there were seasons where we could fill out the paperwork we could submit the payments. We could do the questionnaires. We could do the training. Uh, and we would do all of that as quickly as we could, as faithfully as we could. But then there would come a point where we would have to turn all of that in and then wait and pray. Uh, lots of praying <laughs> with you. Uh, thank, thank you. Praying, Lord, please, let us hear today. Uh, let us hear from that. And it's in that moment that we're tempted to kind of, maybe I can force the door. Maybe I can call them. Maybe I'll check them up. Check up. I'll put the fire on them and make them do this, that, or the other. But uh, in the end, we just had to wait and learn to trust in the Lord. And those are good seasons. Those are good seasons where you have, it's hard, but it's good because you have to learn to trust in the Lord and the sovereignty of God. And like we've said, in this series, hindsight is twenty twenty. We can look back on that situation and see the Lord's hand at all of those different moments. Well, this is kind of where Naomi and Ruth are at. They've sought the Lord's favor. They've sought the Lord's rest in a Redeemer, in Boaz specifically. Uh, and now they've got to wait. And now they've got to rest. It's in Boaz's hands now. He's got to be the one to walk with integrity, to walk in faithfulness, to walk in accordance with God's ways. And that's what we'll have to wait for next week. In fact, we don't find out what happens unless you read ahead to chapter 4 uh, next week. I encourage you to do so. But it's an encouragement and challenge to us this day as you go out from this place seeking that kind of rest. First and foremost, the rest that we need is rest from sin and death through repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe some of you here are still seeking that rest. And you're seeking that rest through your own good works. And seeking to find it through you making yourself presentable to the Lord. But if we read God's Word, it's clear, it's abundantly clear that there's no way for us to make ourselves presentable to the Lord in the end. We have to rest in Jesus Christ who's the only one who's presentable to the Lord in the end. The only one who's lived a righteous and fully worthy life who died and rose from the dead. If you've been seeking that rest, that forgiveness in any other person, place, or thing except uh, other than Jesus Christ, then I want to urge you 
to do as many of us have who have done that very thing. But we ultimately came to the point where we too needed to repent and believe and trust Christ. And I'd encourage you to do so. But let me also encourage those of you who have repented and believed and trusted in Christ. And yet you have, uh, knowing that you ought to seek even earthly rest and soul rest in the Lord, having once and for all turned to the Lord, you've veered off that path and attempted to take things into your own hands. And you've attempted to make, the, make your will the Lord's will rather than making the Lord's will your will. We're given a great opportunity this morning to again repent and to confess and to turn to the Lord and to seek our rest in our Redeemer. And maybe you are at a place in your life, whether it's a small daily decision of seeking the Lord's will for your life, or maybe it's a bigger decision. Lord, where do you want me to work? Where do you want me to live? Um, Do you want me to marry this person? Uh, Do you want us to have another child? Uh, What do you want us to do with our life, Lord? Uh, Do you want us to live here in America? Do you want us to live among a place where the gospel is not made known? Lord, what do you want us to do? I, I would encourage you to seek your rest as you are seeking the Lord's will for your life uh, in Him by walking in accordance with what He has made abundantly clear to you in His Word. Uh, if we'll walk in obedience and faith in those ways, in His time and in His ways, He'll make the other things clear. Not, bu- not sooner and not later, but perfectly on time in those moments. We need to seek our rest in Him in those situations rather than seeking to make a rest of our own that will only be temporary and will not satisfy like the rest of our Redeemer will satisfy. So let that be my encouragement and, and challenge to you that when you're seeking true rest, that you would find it in the Redeemer and in the Redeemer's ways. Would you pray with me? Father, I, I pray that you would help us. Help us as Christians to seek rest in every situation that we face today this week, this month, this year, seeking Your will, Lord, that we would seek rest in You, in, in accordance with Your ways, walking by faith in, a, in our Redeemer. Lord, that we wouldn't step out in front of You or um, get too far behind You, but Lord, we would follow You all the days of our life. God, if there is one Uh, just one here who has been seeking eternal rest for their souls in anyone, any place, anything else other than You, I pray that they would turn, having heard from Your Word this morning, um, inspired by the Holy Spirit, that there is no rest worth searching for except that rest which comes through Jesus Christ, who died and rose from the dead and offered life to all who believe, who himself says, come, all who are weary and heavy laden, 
and I will give you rest for your souls. Lord, I pray they would come, those who are pining, hungry, and poor of spirit, that they would repent and turn to you. I ask in Jesus' name, amen.